Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sheep Get Sheared podcast. I'm your host, Austin Creed. My friends, today we're talking about unshackled bullying. Now, for those of you who have liked to read books and you've read Napoleon Hill's book, Outwitting the Devil, which I've discussed multiple times on this show, uh, I'm a firm believer in questioning everything. It's one of the mottoms of the show, one of the messages of the show is to question Everything that you hear, everything that you read, everything that you see, everything that comes your way. Now, some of you might think, oh, but Austin, there are obviously going to be exceptions. I mean, the church is an exception, right? You don't want to question them or politics. or whatever. You might have certain avenues in your life that you don't, you feel disinclined to question. You feel as though it might be sacrilegious, it might be sanctimonious, it might be completely terrible or unthinkable. Well, my friends, I'm here to tell you today, I don't want you to have that mentality. That is a broke mentality. It's just accept that people have your best interest. To accept that people are going to inherently put you first, your ambitions, your dreams, your motivations, and everything first is just not true. In fact, most people can't even do that for themselves, and yet they want to sit here and think that other people are going to do that for them. It just doesn't work, right? Well, my friends, you might be saying, I sound cynical, I sound hurt, whatever me, whatever's going through your head right now, that's good. It's good. Because an emotional response, if you're having one, is always the first step. Because anytime we have a tough conversation like this, and I'm guilty of this myself, it's really hard to pull your emotions away and say, okay, I'm not going to care about how I feel because how I feel doesn't matter. We're going to talk about what I, what he's talking about. What is this person trying to get across to me? What can I learn? What can I gain from this? Well, my friends, if, you, if you're already offended, I'm sorry. You're in for a rough show. If you're not, I would like to show you something. We're going to be exploring, I listen to this book every single night, Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil. I listen to it every single night. When I go to bed, I put my phone across the room, I turn on this, I turn my phone on to sleep mode, and I let it play while I'm sleeping. And I wanted to bring this little piece up, because I think it's very important, and even in the book, I won't, we won't go when... We won't go through all almost four hours of this audiobook, but what we will do is I want you to listen very closely because he attacks certain groups of people, certain entities that are often seen as untouchable. You wouldn't think to question these people, especially with how they interact with children. Maybe when you were a kid, you looked up to them and were like, that couldn't be wrong. They know exactly what they're talking about. Well, we're going to put that to the test right now, and let's do it. Never mind about me. Tell me all about this second best trick of yours with which you induce people to drift with you to hell. My second best trick is not second at all. It is first. It is first because without it, I never could gain control of the minds of the youths. Parents, school teachers, religious instructors, and many other adults unknowingly serve my purpose by helping me to destroy in children the habit of thinking for themselves. Okay, I want to pause right here. Those of you who are unfamiliar with this book, this whole book is framed as there's the author, and then there's the devil. So the devil is the one who answers the questions. 
the questionnaire, which is I'm supposed to be Napoleon Hill, he's asking the questions. And the devil describes himself not as a beast with a forked tongue and a spiked tail, like how you might see him in media, how you might have seen him maybe a church window, but he describes the devil as the negative portion of the Adam. The person who is the antithesis of God. God is described as good, all things positive and good. The devil is described as everything negative and bad. And he goes on to say that he believes that he has control over 98% of people. 98% of the world. Now you might say that's ridiculous. That can't be possible, right? Well, he's not saying that they don't necessarily believe in God. He's saying that they do not have the ability to break free from these bad habits. And he's going into details as to who puts these ideas in their heads. Why do they believe the things they believe? How do they get to this point of being under his control? And he brings up the parents, the school teachers, the religious instructors, and many other people who serve as role models for children. Because let me put it to you like this. Let's say you're sick, right? And every day there's children who are born healthy. And there's only 2% of people who are uninfected by this imaginary disease we're talking about. So let's say that 98% of people are infected with the disease. Wouldn't you say that it's very likely that every child who is born every day is going to be exposed to someone who is diseased, someone who is infected by this mental pathogen. So therefore, they're likely to knowingly or unknowingly pass on this pathogen to the children, to the people who they think they're helping, but in fact they are infecting with this disease they, they call drifting. This, I, this infection of poverty, this infection of not being certain, this infection of, of mental health problems. All these things tie all the way in to where did your worldview get framed and who is responsible for building the lenses through which you see the world. And that is what he's talking about right here. So let's get back to it. They go about their work in various ways, never suspecting what they are doing to the minds of children or the real cause of the children's mistakes. I can hardly believe you, Your Majesty. I've always believed the children's best friends were those closest to them, their parents, their school teachers, and their religious instructors. Where would children go for dependable guidance if not to those who have charge of them? That is where my cleverness comes in. There is the exact explanation of how I control 98% of the people of the world. I take possession of people during their youth before they come into possession of their own minds by using those who are in charge of them. I especially need the help of those who give children their religious instruction, because it is here that I break down independent thought and start people on the habit of drifting, by confusing their minds with unprovable ideas concerning a world of which they know nothing. It is here also that I plant in the minds of children the greatest of all fears, the fear of hell. curious when you hear what he's saying does this resonate with you at all does this is this is this hard hitting does this hit you deep within the catechism the catacombs of your soul because it, that's what it did for me no i'm not here to tell you that anybody whether they be religious leaders or secular leaders they're i'm not saying that all of them are evil 
per se. I don't believe in evil as a diagnosis inherently. But I find it interesting when he talks about teaching them about a world of which they know nothing. In other words, they're giving them everything while also subsequently giving them no understanding of what it is. And fear tends to fill the cracks. So if you say you have a, a, a crack of, I understand here, but then this portion right in the middle, I don't understand it. Fear has a way of filling it in with the worst possible thing. Tell me I ain't lying. Go ahead, tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. This is what he's saying. He's not saying they're doing it to hurt you, per se. Of course, there are examples of that, too. But what he's saying is it's through ignorance, through negligence. Negligence is a legal term. Through You didn't cause the harm on purpose, per se, but your inability or your lack of doing X caused Y. Your inability to warn them, to caution them, to push them away from this avoidable tragedy means you are liable. It's a very oversimplification, but this is what he's talking about. There are examples of this all over the world, and every human being, or as he says, 98% of the population. I understand that it is easy for you to frighten children with threats of hell, but how do you continue to make them fear you and your hell after they grow up and learn to think for themselves? Children grow up, but they do not always learn to think for themselves. Once I capture the mind of a child through fear, I weaken that child's ability to reason and to think for himself, and that weakness goes with the child all through life. Is that not taking unfair advantage of a human being by contaminating his mind before he comes into full possession of it? Everything is fair that I can use to further my ends. I have no foolish limitations of right and wrong. Might is right with me. I use every known human weakness to gain and keep control of the human mind. In other words, he says this. Thank you for being so dumb. He's like, thank you for being dumb. Thank you for, thank you for buying into what I'm selling you, in other words. It's very interesting. You, you hear what he's saying? I get it. This is not the literal devil talking, okay? But it's very interesting when you think about it from this perspective. When you say, hold on a minute. You mean to tell me? That the people who I thought would never lie to me, the people who I thought would always have my best interest, they may not have even known what they were talking about. That's what he's saying. He's warning you against this. He's saying, I can't believe this. How could this be true? Again, this goes back to the message on this show. Think for yourself. Do not just take blindly what people tell you. Do research. Ask questions. Find, and so you can then predict behaviors. We'll go into a little bit more of this. But I really want you to understand what we're dealing with here. This is a serious thing. This is serious business. This is very serious business, my friends. I want you to really understand that this is your life he's talking about. Your influence is at stake. Let's get back to it, shall we? I understand your devilish nature. Now, let us get back to further discussion of your methods of inducing people to drift to hell here on Earth. From your confession, I see that you take charge of children while their minds are young and pliable. Tell me more of how you use parents, teachers, and religious leaders to ensnare people into drifting. 
One of my favorite tricks is to coordinate the efforts of parents and religious instructors so they work together in helping me to destroy the children's power to think for themselves. I use many religious instructors to undermine the courage and power of independent thought of children by teaching them to fear me. But I use parents to aid the religious leaders in this great work of mine. How do parents help religious leaders destroy their children's power to think for themselves? I never heard of such a monstrosity. I but before he continues, I really want to ask you another question. Is you, are you rejecting what, what you're hearing or are you thinking about it? Are you immediately saying this is just a work of fiction, not true, blah, 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 not what I heard, not what I want to believe? Is that what you're saying right out the gate? Because if it is, I really want to warn you that you are falling right into the trap. I'm not saying he's 100% right per se. It's not my point to pick sides, even though I believe him to be true. I believe this to be factually correct. I do not want my view to influence your understanding of this. Whether you agree with me or not is not the question. Whether you agree with what you're listening to right now. I want you to understand this is going to fly in the face if you're religious of what you've been told. Or maybe if you, even if you're secular, it's going to make you scratch your head and say, wait a minute, huh? This, this doesn't make any sense. Because it's not just religious leaders. They're just one, one avenue. There's multiple. And he's talking about it right here. So I want you, if you're rejecting what you're hearing outright because you don't like the way he's saying it or the way it's sounding, I want you, I implore you, to carefully listen and give it a chance because it will change your life when you really start to listen. Let's keep going. I accomplished this through a very clever trick. I caused the parents to teach their children to believe as the parents do in connection with religion, Bingo. politics, marriage, and other important subjects. In this way, as you can see, when I gain control of the mind of a person, I can easily perpetuate the control by causing that person to help me fasten it upon the minds of his offspring. <laughs> oh my. Yo, doesn't this sound just downright diabolical? I'm serious. We're going to go into actual... Homo We're going to show actual receipts for how this plays out using the Pew Research Center in a minute, but I really want to finish this real quick. In what other ways do you use parents to convert children into drifters? I cause children to become drifters by following the example of their parents, most of whom I have already taken over and bound eternally to my cause. Mm. In some parts of the world, I gain mastery over children's minds and subdue their willpower in exactly the same way that men break and subdue animals of lower intelligence. It makes no difference to me how a child's will is subdued, as long as it fears something. I will enter its mind through that fear and limit the child's power to think independently. I think we'll stop it right there. Because, I, look, this book is extremely wonderful. This is one of the books that I would encourage you to listen to and or read. It's on YouTube. This is on YouTube. My friends, I implore you to... Take to heart what you just heard, because this is not just for effect. In fact, here, we're gonna dive, if you don't believe what you just heard, let's dive into these real applications of human behavior as, a, as explored through science, not just literature. Okay, let's look at what Google has to say, shall we? It says, a child's behavior is influenced by a range of factors, which includes 
biological factors, DNA, brain development, and hormones, parenting styles, in other words, how the parents cope with their feelings and frustrations, peer interactions. Children may conform. I Conformity is dangerous. May conform to the norms and values of their peer group to be liked and avoided being rejected. This is a huge, huge element of my personal philosophy. You have to put aside this idea of, I want to be liked. I want people to like me. First of all, it doesn't matter whether people like you or not. Most people, they don't even like themselves. So why the hell do you care if they like you? They don't even like themselves. They're depressed. They're on meds. They're unhappy. They have a substance problem. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking, I'm talking about the adults. This is where you learn this behavior of, oh, I don't want to be rejected at all costs. I have to avoid being rejected. No, you don't. In fact, when they reject you, that gives you power to walk away. That gives you power to say, hmm, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? Let's really explore it. Let's dive deeper. Let's add this inner dialogue and let's move forward. If your goal in life is to be liked, you will be a loser. If your goal is to be well appreciated and whatnot, then you're gonna be you're gonna have a really, really, really tough life. If your goal is to be respected, that's different. But if your goal is to just be liked, tolerated, whatever, you are in for a very rough life. Let's keep going on this list. Uh, environment. This can include the child's experiences of early childhood care and education and education right there see what did, what were we just listening to education both in school at home in the church wherever education is important cultural norms and values again going back to the parents the religious leaders the teachers they instill these norms and values into, into the children. Uh, cognitive competence. Okay, we're going into skills and language, communication, reading, writing, math, and problem solving. Okay. Other factors that it can influence the children's behavior. Temperant, temperament, relationships, health, tiredness, family circumstances. Again, family. Hunger, nutrition, uh, expectations, too much to do, too much to do. No, 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 that, how is that bad for a kid? Is that supposed to be good? It's not what you want, and you want the kid to have self-esteem, right? Well, they need to actually like themselves. They do that from doing things. Behavioral disorders, lack of routine, blah, 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 okay. But doesn't this tie into exactly what we were just talking about? This ties in directly to what Napoleon Hill was talking about in his interview with the devil. This is exactly what we were talking about. You don't believe me? Not enough? All right, well, then let's go to the Pew Research Center about this connection between religion, government, and, and family, and everything else. Let's, let's, let's go into it. Let's, let's see some numbers here. Number one, nearly three-quarters of United States adults, they say 73%, says that religion should be kept separate from government. Okay, and they break it down by race. Um, uh, say government policies should support religious values and beliefs, and then on the other side, religion should be kept separate from government policies. 
I noticed a huge uptick in the black community. Black community says they should support, they should support, excuse me, religious values and beliefs. Now that's interesting. The black church is still very much alive. Ooh, by age. Now this is interesting. The young say that they should be, the older say religion should support government policy, whereas the young say not. Well, that's pretty normal. Uh, by, ooh, political lines. The Republicans over double the Democrats with government policy should support religious values and belief systems. Catholics are not super high. Protestants are really high. They say the white evangelicals is almost 50-50. Wow, look at that. That's interesting. You know, for me personally, I think that the government should, I believe in the establishment clause. I think people should have the right to practice privately any religion that they want, as long as it doesn't infringe on the on the law, but, or, you know, and whatnot, but I don't think that we should have a national religion. I don't think those things are important. A national language? Yes. Religion? No. Because then the separate, between the, the church and the state lines tend to blur, and then we get into very dangerous territory, in my opinion. All right, let's go down here. The Johnson Amendment limits political activity by religious organizations, and most Americans, they say 70%, want churches and other houses of worship to stay out of politics. Now, I agree with that. I think that's a largely a good idea. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled in 1960. You know, let's go down. Oh, wait, no, this is important. Hold on. The Supreme Court ruled in 1962 that it's unconstitutional for a teacher to lead a class in prayer in, at a public school, but three in 10 U.S. adults said in March of 21 that public school education should allow it. Hold on. Oh, shoot. I accidentally went there. All right, let's go back. Uh, see, that's interesting, isn't it? Again, we're getting into this very interesting separation of church and state, which isn't technically mentioned in the Constitution. It's more mentioned by the Founding Fathers. But this is interesting, isn't it? Because everything kind of ties in together. Religion, politics, education, all that really ties in together. And that is why they t are very potent in young children's view of the world. Number five, when the U.S. Constitution... While it does not mention God, nearly all state constitutions reference either God or the divine. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying this is bad. In fact, I'd argue in a lot of ways this is very good. But it tells to show you that it's that Napoleon Hill is not wrong, and I am not wrong, and nobody else is wrong for questioning the church, questioning when it comes to what children are taught. People need to learn to think for themselves, not just be force-fed what to believe, because that is what separates you from being a drone, from being an NPC, in other words. Uh, let me get down to them playing politics with religion. Yeah, there's no surprise there. Oh, they even break down Congress. Congress has always been overwhelmingly Christian. You know, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that people will confront that for votes, but I don't believe that to actually be true in practice. But again, it goes back to how many times are we going to separate the two 
or how much they're very interchangeable almost when it comes to teaching kids or even reinforcing ideas to adults. Now, make no mistake about it, we need some people to be drones, NPCs, oxygen thieves. We need these people in our society. They're the ones who do the jobs that other people don't want to do. They're the ones who work for guys like me, guys who are ambitious and hungry. They're the ones who work for guys like us. Now, I'm not calling them less than human, necessarily. What I'm saying is, you need to have the courage to break free and think for yourself if you want to be something in this life. Because even if you make money being a normie, you're not going to be able to fully enjoy what that money could give you if you choose to be a normie and you choose to limit yourself. But my friends, I really want you to play with this idea of unshackling your belief system because you realize, once you realize that I'm not Almost none, if any, of these ideas you have in your head are not actually yours, but were given to you by somebody else. And you start to question and say, wait a minute, do I actually want to believe this? Do I want to act this way? Do I want to think this way? You start to say, wait a minute, maybe I don't, and maybe I want to change. Maybe I want to do something different. Maybe I want to reinvent myself. Maybe I want to go my own way. Maybe I want to do something different. That takes guts hard to do well that's what i did when i wrote this book biblical bachelor that's what i did i decided okay i want to write my own personal philosophy i don't want to just take what other people give me at face value and just sit call it a day i want to be someone who makes his own way who does and produces in the world who doesn't just consume but my friends it all comes down to what do you want what are you willing to sacrifice what are you willing to to suffer from to achieve and the answer is nothing well and it's no surprise that you're drifting i might do a whole show on, on being a drifter i think it's a very important definition for people to know my friends i encourage you to stay vigilant stay informed and question everything that comes your way and i look forward to seeing how much how many of you really process what you've been told and you say is this one idea i actually want Versus, is this just what I've always been told? I hope you really question everything and you dissect it and you do something about it. Don't just think, do. I'm out of here. Enjoy your day. Peace.